0: Welcome to Stall Warning, a show talking all things lacrosse. I am your host, Panchito Ojeda, and today I'm joined by Georgia Tech head coach, Ken Lovick. Coach, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing awesome. I uh, I was in Chicago last week where it was like 90 and humid, and we refused to turn the air on. And I came back to Virginia, and I was like 80. I was like, this is great. And then this week, it's again back up to that 90 and humid and uh, not turning the air on. Those, Not until July 1st.
1: Right. Those, those mountains can, can help you up there a little bit. Uh, it's In Atlanta, we are just starting to feel our summertime coming on, which isn't too bad. It has been at least delayed until the middle of June for us for, for a change.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, when I first moved to California, I came back for uh, the meeting up in Greenville in South Carolina with Sonny. And I remember getting off the plane in Atlanta and literally I stepped outside of the plane and I was instantaneously sweating on all parts of my body. That's, I was like, holy, <laughs> holy humidity.
1: <laughs> yes, if you have not, it's taken a lot of years for uh, for my skin to get used to it, much less get rid of my northern, you know, uh, love the cold weather, but <laughs> we don't get a lot of that down here. So, yeah, it's uh, it definitely hits you hard down here if you're not used to it. And even if you're used to it, I mean, it's still not uh, a fun experience to deal with in, a, in the middle of the summer, especially trying to run camps or anything else like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, water breaks upon water breaks, I'd imagine. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. I do remember some summer camps down and I went to Duke's camp when I was a, a kid. Actually, it was the first place I met uh, Coach Petro. And I remember being out there and just like just the amount of sweat and water is just insane. Uh, I can't imagine being a coach. That was my first introduction to Gold Bond. I was about to say, that's
1: it's one of the big stock up items from, from uh, Sam's Club every year for uh, for our guys, especially our goalie. Goalie crew does an amazing job because they're kind of out there the longest um, but yeah, it, uh, it was funny how much we've gone from just a packet to basically a, a giant container of the stuff just to make them happy.
0: <laughs> well, That's great. That's great. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, coach. And uh, it's good to have you on. We're, we're excited to talk. And uh, and, and today we have to do a twofer, which will be fun. So uh, I'm excited about that, that full hour with you. Um, but let's talk about your, your story a little bit and kind of get some information about you. Um, so you played high school ball at Loyola Blakefield, you know, obviously a storied program. Can you tell us a little bit what that experience was like there?
1: It was, it was, it was uh, very rewarding. I mean, you know, um, I certainly wasn't a kid that, you know, made varsity and started and was, you know, getting recruited by everybody, you know, like all my buddies were. Uh, you know, across to me was, you know, fairly still new to me. Uh, you know, I moved to Baltimore. When I was about 10 or 11 um, with the hockey sticks. I moved from Rhode Island and so kind of walked around the neighborhood trying to meet people. Uh, and not many people had a hockey stick in their hand. They all had this other stick that I had never seen before. Uh, and so, you know, learning the support from those guys that had been playing it already for a few years, obviously, it took me a little because I stuck with hockey for another year or so um, before I realized that just in the neighborhood, if I wanted to hang around some guys, you know, in the summertime, you know, you have to have a little cross stick in your hand. So, you know, some of my buddies and Bob Wright and Genie Barocco, guys in the neighborhood that we grew up with, certainly sort of turned me on to it. And then I was at, Um, St. Paul's school for middle school, uh, just down the road from, or fairly close to Loyola, but, you know, learned a lot from Jamie Andrews and some great guys there that, uh, helped me learn the sport, um, you know, sort of firsthand and then being surrounded by guys that had incredible knowledge and been playing it for a while, even, even in middle school. I mean, some, you know, guys have been playing for 10 plus years. It seemed like (laughs) at least some of them had been, um, or as soon as they were, as soon as they were born, they had a stick in their hand. So You know, getting to loyal was a great experience, and again, there are some phenomenal players at loyal that, you know, being the player I was, probably helped me more in my life now because I got to watch and learn from these guys. You know, being on the field with them or watching them, supporting them, whatever it happened to be, uh, whatever my role was, but it, you know, it, it gave me sort of a you know front row view of, of some really really high caliber lacrosse. Um, especially between the coaches and the players that we had at Loyola at, at the time. Cause they were, you know, we were a dominant program at the time, back, you know, back in the uh, late eighties where I think we won three MIA championships, uh, in the four years that I was in high school there. And if I remember uh-huh. correctly, it was, uh, at least two. I know that I want to say, I can't remember my freshman year, how, how well the, uh, the varsity did. I know us as freshmen went undefeated as a JB team. And again, you're, you know, you know, playing the guys that you're going to see that went off to Hopkins and Carolina and et cetera, et cetera. So it it was really, really a fun experience being around those guys at the time.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It'd be fun to play Robin to some of those guys, I'd imagine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, That's cool. So loyal Blakefield, obviously you learn some high level lacrosse and you're playing, playing there and very cool experience. Great program. And then you, you go to college. You you go to uh, an in-state rival of mine, uh, James Madison University, but not for lacrosse. You go to chase the football dream. And you know, tell us about what that what prompted you go to Madison for football, and you know how did you decide that that just wasn't wasn't the right choice for you?
1: Uh, well, I've been to well, boys' schools all my life, um, and. You know, the, the idea of going to a, a big school, you know, I mean, ever since I got to, I, I, when I was growing in Baltimore, pardon me, um, I was young. I mean, I you know, I went to uh, one of the schools down the road, but then I went to St. Paul's and Loyola. So I was in all boys' schools for you know vast majority of my life, it seemed like, it, 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 up until that point. So uh, going to James Madison University, uh, where a lot of um, sort of the girls I knew in the area had gone to for lacrosse because they were very powerful in lacrosse at the time I recruited a lot of the Baltimore girls that we knew from the other, from the girls' schools. Um, and my cousin actually gone to JMU as well. I think the experience of going to a big school sort of really um, was appealing to me. I think, you know, being able to walk around campus and see, you know, a lot of different folks from a lot of different backgrounds, uh, as opposed to going to a smaller school, um, was something that was more rewarding for me. I was a kid in the summertime growing up that always went away to summer camp, you know, went to overnight camps and would spend as many as much time away as I could not nothing against the folks you know that grew up in Baltimore I loved it I just love that different experience of trying different things meeting different people um, you know I just you know I never wanted to stay stagnant so to speak and I think once I got the Jmu real quick I realized that you know the dream of, of you know of, of just kind of breaking away from stuff a little bit and, and doing something different than what a lot of my friends had done in terms of the ch- school choices they made um, I just I just really enjoyed it. Like it seems, seems like the minute I stepped on campus in Harrisonburg and, and, and again, having some familiarity of some friends that were also there, uh, you know, just from, from, from a home, from the hometown made it a little easier in terms of that, just st- stepping in a new world. But, you know, Jamie's a welcoming place, great people. Uh, obviously the school has grown a lot since I was there. Gosh, I don't I hate to say how long It's been since I've been there 20 something years, but um, it was a really great experience. And especially being on a class without wearing a coat and tie and sitting in a class with a, a female next to me, and it was a different experience. I'm not gonna lie; the grades probably weren't that great that first semester. But then, sort of got sort of got my head got my, got back on track a little bit after that one quick conversation with Dad. I think midway through the semester.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine that Dad was not thrilled about that. Uh, yeah, JMU's a great place. My, my sister and her husband are both Dukes, and it's I've been to the campus a number of times. Obviously, being a Nova guy, uh, a lot of Nova. Yep. young men and women head out, head out to JMU. Um, and Harrisonburg is just a great town. I love it. Uh, so it's, it's cool that you had the chance to go there. So you, you opted not to play football. Did you, did you play some lacrosse on in college?
1: It did. There was a, uh, club lacrosse team there. Uh, still is obviously in this, it's, it's funny. I, uh, you know, I, I reach out to them every so often and, um, and, 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 I saw their roster uh, was something like over sixty people or seventy people at one point, and I was like, I, I can tell you, back in, back in the early nineties when I was there, if we had eleven guys, it was a big day for us. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know. I hate to say it back then and, and probably no different than a lot of sort of club programs back in the early nineties, it was purely club. I mean, we would, you know, wake up on the day of a game and, you know, we'd round everybody up and maybe at practice the day before we had 15, but boy, in the cars, as we we're heading to the game, it's say old dominion or UVA, wherever we were playing, you know, there might right. be 10 kids in the bus or, or 10 kids in the cars. We, you know, no vans, no buses back then. You know, I, I don't even remember, honestly, what uniforms we wore. Um, you know, it was such a different world back then, uh, but you know we managed to make it all work. We had a good time. You know, you got to be around other fellow lacrosse guys, like you said, a lot of Northern Virginia guys, and so there were some kids with some talent. I mean, we we had so we had a, a solid squad of guys. It just wasn't a whole lot of them, <laughs> uh, right? But yeah, we'd have to head off and and find our way through the path of, of you know maybe six seven games in a season, if that. You know, I don't remember there even being any sort of league back then, uh, but that was probably the case for about the three years I played um Club Lacrosse for them was it was you know fairly ragtag but again some some really great guys, some great memories uh and a fun time back then. That's why it's really it's really nice to see that, that it the sport in itself um you know, at a JMU, which is still um, doesn't play in the MCLA, but, you know, has still grown and, and, and become a really strong program uh, in the nickel league they play. in. so it's obviously just lacrosse in itself has grown so much. That it's, it's it's really nice to see our, our school doing so well with it on the women's side and the men's side with their with their club team.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And I love seeing uh, the growth of lacrosse. And I think it's really great to hear the stories of like how it got started. And um, it just brings us back to, you know, the, the origins of the game and, and reminds us of all the things that, you know, make this game dear to each one of us. You know, it's not so simple as just like, you know, it's not just another sport. It's got some special connections. And I think some of the stories uh, that you and a lot of the people I talk to tell about their experience in college or high school just remind us of, of kind of the, you know, very kind of idea of coming from nothing to, to something great. Um, so you graduate Madison and and then you're coaching at Georgia Tech. Did you coach right out of college or...
1: Uh, no, so right out of college, I went back to Baltimore uh, and worked actually for Backrack Raisin, which is called Backrack Raisin back then, still before oh, Backrack.
0: Yeah,
1: Backrack Sporting Goods and all that. So uh, I worked actually in the mail order mail order department uh, with Backrack Raisin. Uh, my buddy Pat Quinn, uh, who went to, went to high school with, who went to Salisbury, uh, got me a, a job there, um, and it, you know. Again, this is back before internet. I mean, you know, we were sort of tasked with making the catalog, you know, getting the prices and every time that phone ring, I could still remember it. It was you know, it was always mail order one oh one, mail order line one oh one and that's we'd be racing from the back room packaging packages to answer the phone and write the orders down. Um it was it was a it was a fun experience for a kid out of college, especially you know <laughs> as much as I love lacrosse, just to you know, sort of be surrounded by it at the time where every day you're you know, packing sticks or helping, you know, get sticks, you know, beds back in the day when, you know, People are getting dyed sticks all the time or, you oh, know, yeah. there's not a whole lot of mesh back then. Back then it was all, you know, yeah. wide with the hockey laces or six diamond, or, you know, th- that, the diamond stuff was new to us. It was the stringing back then was all about whether it was wide or tight, you know, in terms of the traditional stringing. Oh, know, and, and again, I would say, gosh, back to memory, I would say what, 95% of the sticks came already strung, you know, so it came factory strung. And then if you wanted it strung a different way, you, had to, you know, obviously you paid and then we would restring it. Uh, or diet, whatever you want to have done to it. So it was a fun experience. In fact, <laughs> uh, after I think I was trained for about two, two weeks in terms of taking an order, uh, mostly initially I was just packing orders, uh, and getting used to what all the products were, their codes, all that. And then so the first phone call I got, uh, I remember Bob Bischoff was our mail order manager at the time. And uh, he goes, all right, Ken, you ready for your first phone call? I'll be right here. So you can get the codes right, ask the right questions and that kind of thing. I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, I know I'm a PE major, but I can handle it. And I'm um, taking the order and writing it all down. Everything's good to go. And it ended up being of all people in the world that ended up being Dan Quayle ordering his ordering equipment for his son. Um, so the Vice uh, President of the United States was calling us, and it was <laughs> we had his credit card and everything right there. Um, right. So it was kind of neat that, that and that order went up on the wall. We obviously crossed out the credit card number, but to know yeah. that my first order was uh, currently the Vice President of the United States.
0: You didn't, you didn't ask him how to spell potato, right?
1: No. <laughs> I was too nervous once I realized who it was.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine.
1: I was like, okay. this is probably being recorded. Don't don't screw it up. <laughs> um, but that was that was kind of a neat experience just in terms of working at Backrack, you know, right out of college. And so um did that for a little over a year and realized my passion was, was recreation. And that's what I had done. I had refereed and, you know, done, it, it was intramural supervisor all during my time at JMU just because I loved sports and recreation. I used to umpire and things like that as a side job when I was you know younger in Baltimore and take care of the fields. Um, and so went back to, uh, uh, got a grad, uh, went back to NURSA, which is our national association for recreation and was able to get a graduate assistant position, um, at Georgia tech. And so about a year and a half later, starting right prior to the Olympics, uh, I got that opportunity to go down there and, and be a GA.
0: Oh, that's super cool. Yeah.
1: That and then, so cool. that was uh, Sonny's day. So I went down there and uh, again, not knowing much about the South and school names. I mean, you might, you, you'll know this and appreciate this being from Virginia, being at Virginia Tech, but, you know, I'll never forget the guy telling me, you know, you're going to be part of this program that's with... You know Georgia Tech and Georgia State and the Olympics are coming, da da da. And I'm like, oh great! You know I was an ACC guy, I was a Maryland guy. Uh, obviously before they left for the Big Ten, but you know I, I, you know was so excited. And again, no internet back then. And so he mails me my application I have to fill out, and i was still confused about this Georgia State University thing. The only thing I knew about Georgia State at the time was that Lefty Rizzell was just about to or was I had just started there. So I was like, oh well, we know Lefty. You know, that, all right. So there's obviously a college downtown. So, okay, that makes sense. But the harder part for me was the fact this thing came about the job aspect uh, about being a GA with the Georgia Tech Intramural Program was the Georgia Institute of Technology. And I was like, what the, what is that? I was like, am I going to work for like some ITT tech school? Like, what, what oh, is this thing? Cause I assumed, I think, you know, being a guy that watched a lot, you know, it's ACC stuff, I just assumed it was Georgia Tech University <laughs> or Georgia okay. Tech College. Yeah. And so this Georgia Institute of Technology did not make sense to me at all. Uh, and then finally, as I kept reading in the sort of the contract that was meant to me, it started making more sense because it put, was put in parentheses or whatever. But, you know, we still get that every so often from recruits here like, ah, oh, I'm excited going to go into Georgia Tech University. And like now, I've been around for so long, I'm like, it's
0: Georgia Institute of Technology. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is great. That's great. So you get to be GA down there. And Sonny, was Sonny coaching at the time? He was. So
1: Sonny had just, um, Stopped his playing career a year or so before that. And he was the, he was coaching uh, the team. And this was uh, 95, 90. I started there in the fall of 95. So 95, 96. I walked out there, you know, and again, we're about to lose our fields. I mean, they're all getting ready to go away for the Olympics because that's where the water polo field was going to go. And so it was all kind of torn up. And I just kind of walked out there and Sonny was out there and I just approached him and, you know, said, any, any chance you could use some help? And I said, my, my availability between school and, and running into murals is going to be tough, but I'd love to help whenever I could. And he was obviously very welcoming. Uh, so I coached with him as his assistant for a year uh, and then took over the following year in the fall of 96, going into, yeah, the season of
0: 97. Oh, nice. I'm surprised Sonny didn't rope you into college lock stuff at that
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he was. Um, you know he he dove so head headstrong into that and again to me it was more like i'll just be a guy in a message board because this is beyond my understanding of what you're doing here oh uh,
0: yeah it's the message boards. well and you know speaking of one of your players who uh was involved with that was uh will oakley um you know and he played right during that time frame right like 99 to 03 or something yeah. He, he,
1: uh, yeah. He can't get yeah, Cause he came in, he really, he was there with those four when we won our second championship SCLC title. Um, so yeah, he, he, did, he came along in back then he was considered like, you know, our prize recruit. I mean, we didn't get a whole lot of them uh, in terms of kids. We were recruited uh, or, or, you know, were connected with and really kind of went after and hope that we could, you know, get them to, to come to our, uh, come to our school and play the cross there. And, and so, yeah, Will was sort of like a big, Sort of first move for us in terms of saying, "All right, we're getting get some talent here." And then there was obviously a long period <laughs> between him being there and us figuring out how to recruit after after he was gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, Oaks was the man. I, lo- I love Oaks. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's
1: quiet demeanor, but I mean, his his passion and his uh, you know uh, competitiveness was was clearly evident when I mean, you know being able to coach him and, and watch him play.
0: Sure, sure, I bet. So, tell us about the evolution of tech. I mean, obviously, you guys went. You've been around for a long time, and you guys won a couple of championships with '04, like you said, being your second. But then the next one was in like maybe 15. I'm not sure. I'm going off memory there.
1: Uh, 14, yeah,
0: 14. So you know what was the? What was it like building? You know the program from where? Before, what no, I got that you wrong. Know.
1: Yeah, oh, right. Sorry, got my own dates wrong. You're right. Yeah, 15, 16. There, sorry, or 16, 17. Whatever it was. My brain's oh, yeah. old and rusty. No, it was. Um, but it's a great question because we get that a lot. Because we kind of, you know, we won our first one in '97, one of my first year. Uh, and then we won again in 2004. Then we obviously had a long gap, um, you know, between before we got back to a couple back to back titles there, you know, in the, in the middle of the, the, the teens there. But it, you know, for us, the, the this biggest struggle, and I know you know a little bit about this as you're getting more familiar with, with Virginia Tech, is we just finally trying to find kids academically that we could get into our program. Um, and we would, we were, I'm very lucky that I have uh, an alumni, uh, Bob Shack, who actually helped start the program back in 1971. He was a guy from New York, came down and basically started the program when he, you know, kind of ran into a couple of kids with the cross sticks and said, we should start a team. Um, Bob contacted me because they wrote about our 97 championship in the alumni magazine. And so Bob reached out to me uh, right away as soon as I came out. I, I want to say it was a summer episode, summer edition. Um, he had not been in contact with the team for many years just due to his work. It was exciting to see that things were, were progressing well. I mean, <laughs> granted, it's just a, it was a blip at the time in terms of 97, something good happening. But, you know, it, uh, uh, he got involved with us, uh, helped a lot with sort of rounding up the alumni, helping with some fundraising to sort of kind of get us above that, you know, we're just going to operate year to year and just figure it out because I, I didn't know where I was going to be myself. I, you know, I thought I was going to be maybe around for a year or two and then moving once I graduated grad school. Uh, I was fortunate right. enough to get a job in Atlanta at Southern Poly. Uh, my as soon as I got out of grad school, so I was able to stay close and coach and continue and having Bob alongside helped a lot. He really just spearheaded the recruiting aspect. And, you know, as an alum, he could speak the language, he could talk about what the academics are like, and so. And and with his travel schedule, basically he traveled West a lot. Uh, So, you know, his day would shut down fairly early when he was out in California and basically allowed him to sit there and just make phone calls at nighttime, you know? And so he would call these guys back East that we would try to find. Again, there weren't a whole lot of websites that had recruiting stuff, but we would send, I mean, I remember sending, we would send every year, we would get the US lacrosse uh, coaches um, uh, mailing list and we would literally, you know, write all these letters and hand print all these envelopes and send them to all the hot areas like, you know, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia, and just send letters to all the coaches and just trying to educate them on who we were uh, and what our program is and what our school is. And that's the way you did recruiting back then, just to try to find somebody would match, you know, somehow, some way. And I would say the the, the fruits of the effort back then were, were, were decent, but we're not going to get us to a national championship level by any means. Uh, And so it it was a lot of lean years there where we had some, you know, we had like a lot of teams, you know, five, six, seven, eight, really, really solid players. uh, But we just could not get that next group to sort of help push us, you know, to a really competitive level. Now we were always competitive. Our kids always fought really hard, but you know, we were always struggling the offensive end because we just never, you know, engineering is not a creative thing for the most part. It's very linear, And so it seemed like we had just every defenseman and every goalie possibly ever wanted would get in, but we couldn't find anybody to put the ball in the back of the cage because it was just a different style of understanding. Sure. Uh, sure. So that was the, that was really more the difficult aspect for us was just trying to find those kids that could help us on the offensive end. And so after many years of of tweaking with it and playing with it, and then Bob actually, you know, took actually a little bit of time off, not Fully time off, but kind of had to step away from the recruiting spark just because of his, his workload. Um, and so he came back just fired up, he came back so energized to, to help us get to that next level. Um, and, and find some kids. And of course, the internet had changed a lot, you know, over time in terms of accessing kids, and and you know, whether it's social media, whether it's success we're doing ourselves, or just the school. Um, and a name, you know, more kids playing, like we talked about JMU back in the early 90s, you know, 10, 11, 15 players, whatever the number was, to fast forward to, to 2020, and they've got, you know, 60, 70 players now. So with more kids playing the sport, it, up, it opened up more opportunities for us to find kids that academically fit our profile, which again is very, very difficult for us to find. But when we do find them, it seems like in the last number of years, if we get them in and they're interested. We have a pretty high return rate at this point in terms of understanding that they know they're going to a quality program, obviously a, above quality school uh, in a great city. And so it's it's selling itself a little bit more now. Uh, we're still having to do a lot of work to find those kids, but that was really the turning point was the fact that there's more kids playing and more kids starting to look at realizing that, what can my degree get me? Where am I, I going to go one day? And, and obviously, the engineering world, uh, computer science world and we have also you know obviously a decent business school as well um, all that matched together with what our lacrosse was doing is 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 formulated into a, a good system for us and finding some kids that were really really excited about being a part of you know just being a jacket and being a part of our program
0: that's awesome and you guys uh you know you've really seen that play out on the field you've been in the final four uh, I think the past three years and you know you were you know one goal away from the Championship game twice, right?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, we it was three of the last four. We had, uh, you know, the year that uh, South, you know, we, 2000, 2018, we missed the final yeah. four. We, we got bounced by South Carolina, actually, in the first round. Uh, but yeah, we had Chapman twice uh, in the final four at their place and lost by a goal. Uh, and then uh, obviously the, the fun Cal game a couple years ago uh, with them up in, out in Utah. So yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there and uh, you know, we're, we're slowly building up our numbers and, and in terms of where our quality is of our kids and the depth that we can, we can put out there in the field. Cause we know that the grind of a season injuries, everything else are very, very important. So you can't win with just 15 guys. Uh, right. So it's, 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 we're, yeah, we're real happy where things are going and, and excited that uh, you know, to get back on the field in 2021 at some point, but you know, the, the idea is that, you know, we're, we're, finding some we're, we're actually doing a, a really solid job of finding more kids now. And I have to admit, actually, from our standpoint, we've realized the last couple of years, the transfer thing is actually working out really well for us. We potentially have, um, we're waiting on one final thing we should find out about on, uh, in about a week with one more transfer, but we could potentially have five transfers on this team next year, which is something very unheard of for us. Uh, usually not a lot of transfer kids we get in, but, you know, because of the academics and the admissions, um, and some kids, other opportunities, other way, other places. You know, we found that the the transfer option is actually really successful for us. We realized that they can get in a lot easier route. Some of these kids that get denied potentially, you know, when they're when they're trying to apply from high school, can get in if they just spend a year somewhere else and follow a program right. that the school lays out for you. So, you know, for us to to land five of those kids uh, is, is, is great for us. Cause it's just not, you know, they come in with a year of experience under their belt in terms of just understanding what college like is like in terms of the, the academic load and the maturity level. And so that'll be a nice, nice hit to us. And, you know, in terms of adding, we, had, we, you know, we added a transfer grad student last year. And so adding to kids like that to a program, I think can just help bolster us a little bit more than we ever thought, you know, was out there for us recruiting wise in, in years past.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Transfers is a great way to to build a team, you know. I mean, if you're you have your kids come from high school, but adding those uh already matured young man is always a, a good addition so
1: yeah. uh, even our rival even our rival down the road you know I started an engineering program you know a few years ago at uh, in, in Athens and you know we've got a kid coming in from there so kids are actually going to go some kids just because of the way they, the admissions role go they're going to go there for a year and they'll spend one year there whether they play or not that's not we don't really push them on that but you know it's a matter of you know I, I thought that was it might hurt us down the road that, that you know George is adding an engineering program in the end we're finding out you know especially the admissions class this year we have we have two kids who are going there next year um, as freshmen that will transfer in, and one that is is transferring in this year. And so, in the end, it actually worked out that oh, wow. down the road is a is a, another solid university with a good engineering program. But their ultimate goal is to be a is to be on Text campus.
0: Oh wow! Don't tell Coach Garrigan that. <laughs> uh well, interesting. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting. I would never have thought of that. Uh, I want to give us any insight into your twenty twenty one schedule. You got any nuggets yeah. for us?
1: uh well we're um you know last year we went out to arizona so our trip this year for the guys is going to be up to uh boston area so it looks like we're playing now we're scheduled to play uconn in new hampshire we had hoped to play boston college because they came to us last year but the date we can go is the same date they're going back to liberty for their midnight game Uh, we're actually making our first ever trip to liberty this year uh, for a a game against them nice Uh, we have uh who else is coming to town this year Gee whiz. Um, I mean, other than our normal schedule, you know, we'll have the South Carolinas on the schedule, the Florida States, you know, uh, Georgia, obviously at the end of the season. Um, but, you know, in typical fashion, we're going to we get usually pretty lucky that, you know, we're going to get uh, you know a number of good teams coming to town. I mean, people are still kind of I think the issue is like, like Concordia was going to come to us. And you know, I think because they're in California, they're kind of restricting some of their travel, especially that far. So I think they, they, they had a drop, but looks like University of Oregon's looking to come our way. Right. Um, so we've got some. Uh, you know, obviously you got you guys, Virginia Tech's coming. Uh, or no, yeah, When we got? What we, we work yeah, out with you? I can't. You know,
0: we're coming down. We're you. Yeah.
1: I was in Minnesota. Minnesota, that's who it was. Sorry, I'm yeah, blanking. Can we I our break.
0: Break. Hey, we Again, the luxury of having
1: you? Bob with us is that Bob handles a lot of my scheduling, so I'm not the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, um, but no another I think another uh high quality schedule for us. I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be, you know, a, a tough another tough run for us uh in terms of but that's what we want. We want to play as many of the good teams as we possibly can play. We want to make sure we're prepared. Um, you know, so when you come to postseason at nationals, you're not just walking in and after playing a bunch of a cupcake schedule. So, you know, we're, again, very excited for the 2020 schedule. We'll be on the road the most we've probably ever been on the road, uh, which is interesting for us. It's just usually because we're in Atlanta, we can host a lot of games, but, you know, a trips to Liberty, we're going to Boston, we have to actually, you know, head out to Alabama or heading down to Florida state. Um, so it just, it kind of adds up that you're, you know, we're going to South Carolina. So again, it just, you know, adds up pretty quickly, but again, you know, the hope is that, we're going to be able to make those trips and that, you know, we're hopefully going to be in a a better place, you know, health wise as a, as a country, you know, just to to be able to hit the road again. But again, we want to make sure all of our players, not just Georgia Tech players are in in a safe position.
0: That's right. Well, coach, we really appreciate having you. Any, any last words for the people before we go?
1: No, I hope everybody just stays safe and uh, we look forward to hopefully seeing some across on the field pretty soon.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the podcast, like us, leave us a review if you're feeling really uh, special today. And you can follow us on social media at 101 underscore LAX on Instagram and at 101 Lacrosse on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, see ya.